Hello, I'm Pamela Davis. Welcome to episode 23 of the Well Done Life podcast. Hello again, and welcome to episode 23 of the Well Done Life podcast. I'm your host, Pamela Davis. If this is your first time here, you're right on time. Platform is just getting started. And if you've been here before, thank you for continuing to listen. I really appreciate you. I hope that I'm adding value, and I just look forward to continuing to connect with you. Uh, the Weld on Life podcast is about building community by sharing experiences. No one is an expert at this thing called life. And so I'm looking forward to us all learning and growing together. And before we dive in, I really just want to make sure I, especially with this previous week here in my state of Florida, want to give thanks and prayers and reverence to all of the first responders out there holding it down for us. COVID-19 is still out here very strong, and we need to ensure that we are social distancing. Please wear a mask, wearing them, and taking care of our minds and bodies, and being as kind as possible to each other. I also wanted to apologize for not clearly labeling my last episode. Episode 22, not 21, titled This One Is For My Pops, uh, was recorded pretty early in the morning. (laughs) And I think what my mind hadn't quite woken up, but my heart was in it. So we're just going to keep pushing and charge that little mistake to the game. But I hope that you enjoyed the episode. It was very special for me to record. And I just appreciate you again for continuing to listen. But for today's episode, episode 23, I'm on it, and I want to talk about fear today. And of course, because I believe in being foundational, fear is defined by the uh, Merriman-Webster Dictionary as an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. So um, it can be an instance of this emotion, it can be a state marked by this emotion, an anxious concern. It can also be leveraged as profound reverence and awe, especially toward God. And it can be a reason for alarm, or better known as danger. Fear has many, many levels. And many of us live our lives daily making decisions based in and on fear. Fear is also the root of racism or xenophobia. And for those of you that may not be too familiar with xenophobia, xenophobia is defined as the fear and hatred of strangers or foreigners, of it, or of anything that is strange or foreign. And as we know, racism is running through our country very strong. It's gripping our country, actually, and has gripped our country for over 350 years. And it's also what has led me to this podcast today and what I want to talk about, because I want to talk about Elijah McClain, and I want to talk about how Elijah McClain's death highlights one of my greatest fears. One of my greatest fears is not being able to protect my sister and others like her from a similar fate. Uh, This one is hard. Um, Elijah McClain was a 23-year-old black man who lived in Aurora, Colorado. He was a massage therapist. He was a vegetarian. He loved to talk to people. They say that there was never someone that he encountered that he viewed as a stranger. When he encountered you and talked to you, he talked to you with a genuine openness and wanted to get to know you. Uh, he he played the violin to cats. I mean, how more how much more gentle can you be than that if you do that? One night, 
um, August, actually, August of 24th, 2019 to be exact, Elijah was walking home from a convenience store. And he was wearing a ski mask and someone called 911 saying that he looked sketchy because he was wearing said, said ski mask and also waving his arms. Of course, that led to him being pulled over by the police. And unfortunately, the stop went bad. Uh, luckily, there was body camera footage of the encounter. I haven't seen the video. I can't bring myself to watch it, but I did hear the audio. And the audio is haunting and heartbreaking. Um, because all I hear, or all I really could remember hearing that just sits with me, is Elijah saying, I'm an introvert. Please respect the boundaries that I'm speaking to you with. Leave me alone. Or apologizing for throwing up on the police officers after not being able to breathe due to the use of the carotid uh, chokehold. His police stop was actually about 15 minutes, and they used that technique several times to subdue him. To give context, uh, his autopsy notes, Elijah's autopsy notes, state that at the time of his death, he measured five feet, six inches tall and weighed 140 pounds. Yeah, five feet, six inches and 140 pounds. And he got pulled over for looking strange, walking down the street, wearing a ski mask. And in 15 minutes, it escalated to him being in a chokehold having uh, the ambulance called, being administered a, sedat a sedative called ketidine, and passing away, having a heart attack on the way to the hospital, and passing away two days later because he was brain dead. So it's pretty obvious that excessive force was used and that he should be alive today. But to me... One of the other things that Elijah's death spotlights is the challenges that citizens who are different or who have disabilities face when dealing with law enforcement. So I started doing some digging. And one thing I came across was this. In 2019, it was reported that the police killed a thousand people. And according to a Rudiman Family Foundation study, up to 50% of those killed by the police had a disability or mental illness. That's an extremely large proportion of people who are, have some type of mental illness or disability. Elijah McLean, to give a context to the situation that we're talking about, he was anemic and he had social anxiety or social phobia. Social anxiety or social phobia, as defined by the National Institute of Mental, mental Health, is an intense, persistent fear of being watched and judged by others. This fear can affect work, school, and other day-to-day -day activities. And I'll put a link in the show notes that gives more detail on this disorder. But essentially, Elijah McLean processed the world differently. And he probably wore his ski mask to protect his health, mentally and physically. However, a conversation about that never took place the night of Elijah's death. And is that really surprising? I mean, law enforcement officers have many roles. 
but I have yet to see any of them involved dealing with people who have disabilities and or mental illnesses. And why is that? I mean, our society has continued to evolve, but why hasn't law enforcement? Unfortunately, there are many people who are born with disabilities every day. I mean, autism, we have a very high rate of autism. We have a really high rate of mental illness, depression in our society. Why hasn't law enforcement been trained to deal with that and to look at how they can de-escalate situations? with people who are experiencing those challenges. And I know that's a deeper, darker answer, but it has to be asked and answered, especially as there are countless debates around defunding or even disbanding law enforcement. And I think everyone is still trying to figure out what that means. I know for myself, I'm still formulating my thoughts about it, but I do feel that a lot of times I think what everyone really means to say is that they are trying to reimagine law enforcement. And that's not a discussion for today, but I do think it has to be something that we start to think about and talk about. Because personally, I'm definitely uh, very passionate about having law enforcement be equipped to handle the needs of those with disabilities and mental illness because I think about my own sister and I think about my friends who have children or loved ones with special needs. And I'm personally petrified of what could happen to them at the hands of law enforcement. And it's not to say that they're bad people because especially like when I think about my sister, my sister is one of the gentlest, kindest people I know. She follows the rules and is respectful at all times, but she can be triggered. And when she gets anxious, especially, uh, when her anxiety is high, it can appear that at times she's angry and defensive and she can lash out. And I know how to calm her down because I've learned over the years through trust and communication what works best for her so that I can create a supportive environment. But if I'm not there, what happens? And then I think about my friends who have children as well who may not be able to communicate their feelings the way that my sister has has the ability to do. Excuse me. What happens to them? We all know someone who has a child with autism or an autistic family member. We all know someone who has a relative or someone with mental illness. Who advocates for those people when their immediate family or friends or loved ones aren't there? And what happens to any of us when we're triggered? I mean, what other tactics are deployed to de-escalate situations? Unfortunately, as you can see, I have lots of questions and very little answers. And that's why I wanted to talk about this today, because Elijah McClain's death really spotlights the need for there to be tactics and or groups devoted to dealing with citizens with disabilities. We're all not alike. Everyone is unique, and that's what makes us so special. But that uniqueness can also lead to situations where lives are lost unnecessarily. I mean, As we can see in society, there are already prejudices, excuse me, placed on people based on color, gender, sexual orientation, socioeconomic levels, etc. Imagine being classified by one or all of those labels and having a disability. I mean, the weight of that is so heavy and it can be lethal as we're seeing in this case. 
So I feel like as we're out here trying to make decisions about how we want to move forward in the long term, we also have to think about and get clear about what change looks like and how it should be deployed. We can't just have a bird's eye view. We have to look at it with a lens as large as our judgments, because even though you may not personally be affected, there's still some part of you that may have a judgment. And if you have a judgment, then make sure you're able to flip that judgment and think about a solution to counteract that because you're not alone. Everyone's judgments have to be dealt with and we have to be willing to stand in the gap for people who can't speak for themselves. Um, There recently was an instance uh, with Denzel Washington in the news and Mr. Washington stopped his vehicle in Hollywood. He saw a black man being detained by the police on the side of the street. And the gentleman appeared to be um, agitated. It appeared like he was having a very difficult time communicating to the officers what he was trying to do, what he needed. And Mr. Washington stopped his car. He got out and talked to the police officers, to the gentleman. He made sure that that gentleman was okay, and he de-escalated that situation. And when I saw that, I was floored because I had to ask myself, am I going to do that? And then I'm going to ask you, are you willing to do that? How many of us are going to do that? Because I know for me, it's personal. Like I said, for my sister, I would do anything. I would stand in the gap for her all the time. I will always be there hopefully, to try to de-escalate as many situations as I can. But when I'm not there, who's going to be there? So we have to ask ourselves, who's going to be there for that person that we see on the street? We see situations all the time. Are we willing to stand in the gap for someone who can't speak for themselves? And I think about what happened that night with Elijah McClain. If the police had had someone that they could connect with, to interact with citizens with social anxiety and our disabilities, would Elijah McClain be alive today? I'm thinking maybe that stop instead would have ended with someone having a conversation with Elijah and realize that he's just trying to get home to his little brother waiting on his iced tea. That was why Elijah went to the convenience store in the first place. He went to get his little brother an iced tea. And what after, even just to take it a step further, what if after having a conversation with Elijah and realizing what's going on and talking to him, that he was able to offer Elijah or he or she a safe and warm ride home since he gets cold easily due to his anemia and take him home to his mother? Wouldn't that have been something to actually show that you're able to interact with someone who's so different than you, but to make sure that you try to put yourself on their level to understand and take him home. Imagine what his mother would be feeling now instead of the pain and heartbreak that she's feeling. If just a conversation could have been had calmly and rationally versus it turning into what it did. It's There's just so many possible outcomes that could have happened to that situation with the view of it being more of having someone out there to assist and help versus someone trying to leverage defensive maneuvers against a defenseless person. And I'm still hopeful. I'm very hopeful 
that we actually get to a point where what I'm talking about is a reality. (sighs) But in the meantime, for myself, I know I will do everything I can to protect my sister at all costs. I have countless conversations with her every day to make sure that she's doing okay and how she's feeling and how to protect and how to speak to people. And I'll speak out for other people like her to ensure that the conversations get had. But we have to start stop adding names to hashtags. It's time to start adding names to laws that are actually going to change the direction of this country. The protests aren't going to stop and they shouldn't stop. But we all have to understand that none of us are exempt from injustice. It just hasn't caught us yet. And all of us know someone who has a disability or has a child or relative with a disability or some type of depression or anxiety that can heighten them and put them in a situation where they could be just like Elijah McClain. So we have to leverage our voices and we have to leverage our votes and we have to leverage our resources to implementing change. Remember, fear has so many definitions, but none of those definitions mean not being the change we seek. At this point, it's about allyship and actions. So make sure you're ready to pull up. I want to thank you for listening, all for listening today. And I encourage you to read more into Elijah McClain's story. I'm going to link uh, a Washington Post article that I found really great, uh, kind of detailing everything about it uh, since this uh, happened last year and how now I'm starting to get more recognition through social media, through conversations. Um, I also ask that you definitely please like, share, subscribe this episode. I definitely can be found on all podcasting platforms and my social media information will be in the show notes. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Definitely please continue to share your thoughts and your feedback with me. And until we speak again, take care of yourselves. Goodbye.